<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you rely on the internet for everything... You need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Welcome to Film Study. Again, this is Ken McCusick, and I'm joined today by Alec Ulianis. Alec, how are you doing? Oh, it's a good day, Ken. I'm looking forward to this. Coming up on the football new year next week, and uh, boy, exciting. Eight days away from the draft. It's hard to believe. It, it really kind of caught up on us. It was fun to do a bunch of analysis for this show and for uh, 
Ravens recap to look into some players, try to find those fits for the Ravens. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really bullish on this draft. I don't know about you, but there just seems to be so many good players uh, and many good positions for the Ravens to really build up a, a formidable team for the year. Yeah, the Ravens, I think, going into the draft are in a great position because they have a lot of individual positional needs. Uh, so so they're not they're not pigeonholed into we need a we need an edge rusher above all else. They do need an edge rusher. They need mm-hmm. a wide receiver. They need an interior defensive lineman in a big way because all their guys are thirty plus years old effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they honestly, they need a young safety, I believe. So they've got, they've got a lot of needs. They certainly need an inside linebacker. Um, they, they've got so many needs that it's going to be easy for easier for them to avoid predatory relationships, uh, with the other general managers. They can move up and down the board fluidly and I hope get the players they want and also be able to trade back and still get players that they're happy with. Uh, which is, of course, at the cost of Hallmark. A lot of picks, good thing in this draft. I think you agree? Oh, absolutely. You always want as many picks as you can get. It's a little bit like the lottery. You know, mm-hmm. you can try to prepare as much as you want, but at the same, end of the day, sometimes you hit on players you never expect, like Chuck Clark, six-round pick. Uh, I think if we did a deal over that draft, he'd be much, much higher, right? So uh, it's, it's stuff like that where you um, you want as many picks as you can and also just for the capital to move up, and we can talk about that uh, later in the show. Yeah, so so the currency, it's it's the currency on draft day, of right. course, is, is having those extra picks and the comp picks being tradable was a big deal for the Ravens, of course. Uh, we've seen what DaCosta has been able to do in season with draft picks in the Marcus Tr- Peters trade. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, so so exciting stuff. And uh, uh, let's get right into it because we're going to talk about the wide receivers today. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about up front, I think this is more important in some ways than the analysis of the individual players, because it leads us down some of this ranking methodology is what are the Ravens really looking for in terms of characteristics from a wide receiver in this draft? And I'll let you start. The big thing for me, Ken, is I just want a wide receiver, ideally with a big catch radius that is willing to go over the middle of the field, be an asset there and, and snag the ball out of the air, um, really contest the ball at a high point and, and just have those fundamentals of, uh, I guess, the aggression almost to get the ball in in tight windows and and make that secure catch that gives Lamar the confidence when the play's breaking down or uh, when he needs that first down to go his way and you know the catch is going to be made. He has that kind of confidence with Mark Andrews. I think he's developing it with Hollywood Brown, and I just want to see that with another wide receiver. So I really feel like the best way to accomplish that is that willingness to go on all parts of the field and um, create like high value catches. Yeah, I agree with that. That's uh, it's certainly something he had with Andrews. And I think honestly he had it with Hurst as well, which mm-hmm. means being without Hurst now, they really need to find someone else who falls in that category. He's clearly not quite there with Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin needs probably more experience as a receiver in particular, improving his own receiving skills certainly has the body to go over the middle. Uh, some people don't want to endanger their ribs. Clarence Moore, you might be too young to remember him, but um, in 2004, he was on the Ravens and he made two catches, uh, two touchdown catches against the Jets. We really didn't see him again much. And and, and mm-hmm. one one of the reasons was he had a severe alligator arms problem, even in that game that had shown up. Uh, and Billick praised him for kind of making good on his, alli- his earlier alligator arms on a touchdown catch, but uh, he didn't last that long in Baltimore because of... Uh, you know, problems like that. And, and a lot of receivers just really are not comfortable 
going over the middle of the field. I think, honestly, we saw some of that from John Brown. Yeah, I definitely uh, – I do remember that with Clarence Moore. And, uh, you know, we didn't have the, the kindness of names for him you know, going over the middle and uh, mm-hmm. and not, you know, delivering, for instance. But, yeah, it, it it's not an easy skill. And I think when you look at some of these players, you're probably looking at some of the bigger body guys. And, in fact, actually, there's a couple players on this list who almost seem like they could play tight end. They could almost do the transition um, – to that position if they so chose and maybe be a really uh, dangerous pass catcher. But I don't know if uh, that's an experiment the Ravens really want to go down this particular draft. Well, it works so well with Darren Waller, just (laughs) not for the Ravens. Exactly. (laughs) It worked worked for another team. Uh, You know, if if I'm looking at other traits they want, I I do want a big body. That's huge because I think one of the things the Ravens need to consider is Hollywood Brown is probably going to play most of the snaps going forward. Mm-hmm. He obviously was sitting out a lot due to the injury this this first year, but I think they want his dangerous speed on the field most of the time this coming year. And if that means they really can't afford to have a second small receiver, another Smurf, because I think it will mm-hmm. compromise the run game. Yeah. So, and that's why I I think KJ Hamler, who I really like as a receiver, a slot receiver, uh, you know, has the ankle breaking qualities the Ravens I think would like there, but I can't put him too high on my list. Because I think that he doesn't fit the Ravens that well in terms of having a second small receiver. 100% agree. I actually have like a cadre of those smaller guys in like the middle of my ranks because they are such good talents that, you know, maybe at the right draft point, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, we have Miles Boykin. So that's a that's a, one of those bigger receivers that maybe we can lean on if he develops um, maybe as a second wide receiver pick if we really wanted to get uh, aggressive and really just making the offense uh, super prolific, um, you know, at the right price, maybe one of these players makes sense. But yeah, like, like you said, I kind of have all those smaller body, quick twitch, um, makes separation, but uh, probably lacks in the run blocking arena. They're like in the middle of my grouping. A little before I, I started listing some of those, they have all the physical traits and they, but they're not necessarily, they haven't shown it either at the college level, which is always concerning, right? Uh, if you can't do it against that competition, why would you do it against NFL competition or or just players that are a little less developed? OK, so I've got I've got two things that kind of go along with that closely. One is that I kind of like rawer talent at the college level, meaning I mm-hmm. want a guy coming out who's produced at the college level at a high level already, but also has done a bunch of things wrong. Maybe he drops the football. Maybe he. He has other concentration issues he can overcome. Maybe he does some things technically incorrect with his feet or his hands at the line of scrimmage. Whatever it might be, I would prefer to have that guy who can who can take it to another level at the next level rather than a very highly polished wide receiver. And there is an example of that in this draft we'll get through. We may, we may be talking about him before this uh, show is over. I think we will. The other mm-hmm. thing is... I'd like to avoid having a really older pick. Now, I, I don't want a 23-year-old, and there is at least one guy who's in my top 15 yep. who, who is there. But, uh, but you know, a 21-year-old guy is appropriate. These are juniors coming out of school. Some of them are 20, okay? But the ones who are 21 have that increase – or tw- 20 or 21 – have that increased second contract value that at a premium position like wide receiver, you want to make sure you can, you can harvest. Uh, you know, the, even if it's only – the additional frictional year, the fifth year option or a sixth year that you might get on a franchise tag. If the player ends up being a real star, uh, you know, you, you want to have the option for that second contract value. 
Yeah, I noticed that on your list, um, and I was I was kind of glad I didn't actually contribute that as much because I was looking more for I've seen it already, right? Um, and I kind of weighed that a little bit more than you did. So I think that will make for a good conversation. Yeah, let's well, let's do it. I want to start with the first thing is is I think that Ravens fans are going to be happier going into next <laughs> Thursday night if they can just go through the five stages between now and then. You got eight days, folks. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> to, to just accept the fact that Jerry Judy of Alabama, C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma, and Henry Ruggs of Alabama, none of those three are going to be Ravens. There is no way that DaCosta will expend the draft capital and, you know, really probably would have to borrow from next year, essentially, to get any of the three guys. If, if they did trade up, you know, to 10th, 11th, 12th to get the last of these three guys, let's say, you'd still be talking about, you know, 65% of their draft capital, maybe they'd be, <laughs> they'd be yeah. working over from this year to get it. So uh doesn't really make sense in any, uh, in any reasonable way. Those guys are not going to be there. So Peter brought up on our podcast a really interesting point. He thought, well, we traded Hayden Hurst for that pick. Uh, if you take that pick and you trade your first round pick, you can get up to around 15. Uh, and he said, you know, is there a wide receiver? Uh, or we were saying players in general, but we also talked about with wide, wide receiver. Is there a wide receiver that maybe at 15 that you could get that is so much better than what you could get at 28, et cetera, that you would be willing to give up that second round pick? Uh, in short, I don't think so. I think it is a tremendously deep draft of wide receivers. Uh, Dale Jeremiah has 27 wide receivers ranked in the top three rounds. On average, 31 wide receivers wow. are even taken in a draft. And in 2017 was the highest with 35. So we're looking at just an unprecedented amount of wide receivers. And I think that really plays to the Costa's point that he thinks that you could find a contributor in the fifth round this year. And that's just because there's such an abundance that even if teams take one or two in the early rounds, there's still going to be a couple really interesting picks that are just lingering because other needs are getting filled. Right. I, th I think there will be, I think there'll be a lot of, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of injury problems with this wide receiver group, even mm -hmm. though they're exceptional. And I think some of those players will drop and become real value picks that, that a team like the Ravens or a team who thinks they, they understand that better might be able to take advantage of. Obviously, there's risk <laughs> anytime mm -hmm. you do that, but uh, but let's uh, let's do this. We said we would set this up, and we're going to go through after the big three because we're we're both saying they're not going to get those. Who will the Ravens get, or who could the Ravens get? And I asked Alec to put those in order of who the Ravens would like to do. But but actually, I'll leave that open ended. Define how you put your list together, Alec. Yeah, we've talked about it before the show, and I think it was challenging. And I I liked your approach at the end of the day of. Let's just rank them from a pure talent perspective. You drop them in into the lineup. What happens? Okay, uh, so that's for the Ravens I, or not, or for oh, any yeah, team for the in Ravens. general. For the Ravens. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So that, like, that's how it kind of influences smaller guys for me. So yeah, definitely from a Ravens perspective. Um, and I didn't do any like high value, like oh, like this guy would be great in the third round because who knows where these people are going to go. At the end of the day, there's always a surprise. So um, I'll start off. We have the same first guy, so it doesn't okay. really make a difference. Sounds uh, great. Hear it. Yep, Denzel Mims. I am infatuated with this guy's film. I, when I was watching it, I was like, yes, please please become a Raven. That'd be great. Um, just a huge catch radius, 6'3", 206, and has that explosive talent that we were talking about earlier. We'll get after the ball in traffic. And um, he also has shown great pass block, or, uh, run blocking and, uh, in college. So 
he reminds me a lot of Miles Boykin, so he could end up with two of the same guy if they both really develop. Um, but that would be okay. Like if they both develop into that kind of player, and then you have um, a smaller guy like uh, Hollywood Brown that you can maybe move into the slot. I mean, that's a lethal offense. Yeah, Mims is uh, Mims is a better player than Boykin. Uh, oh, for sure. And and, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd start if I go. Obviously, he's a first round first round pick for starters. Um, he's got amazing body control that I don't think we've really seen from Boykin. Boykin doesn't have a truly exceptional catch radius. That was something he really showed up in the preseason. Uh, he, you know, it's not like he can't can't make a catch that's outside of his immediate frame. He made a good catch in Seattle where he kind of held up for a ball that was low on a deep. Uh, a, a deep ball early on in that game, but Mims has amazing body control, amazing feet and body coordination to stay in bounds. It showed up a number of times on tape. Mims ha- and and Boykin both have similar hands, unfortunately, where they both have had problems dropping the ball. Uh, I just like love a lot of what Mims brings to the table. Uh, the only thing that's a little bit troubling is that his yak per reception is a little low at 2.5 yards per carry. Now. 2.5 yards per reception, I should say. Now, there's nobody on this list who's perfect in, in, in my book. So that was the thing that really bothered me about him, aside from the drops themselves, which have been been significant. But uh, uh, just a great size, speed prospect. I'll take that a step further, Ken. I honestly don't think there's a single alpha in this. It, it, you know, you have this huge wide receiver class, but I don't think any of them are a Julio Jones kind of player. I think you're going to get a lot of contributors and if you look at the nfl and you you start ranking wide receivers you get down to like the 24th best wide receiver in the nfl and you're still talking about someone like you know calvin ridley right like a really good wide receiver so there's a lot of really good wide receivers in the nfl at this point i definitely think it's a becoming a more and more talent-laden position but um i i just want to say i don't think any of the wide receivers in this draft are that kind of player like you were mentioning no matter what draft capital Yep. I'm going to go number two. I'm going to go with my second guy. Now we got to move this along kind of at a, at a reasonable mm-hmm. rate for people to get through this on their commute from their uh, kitchen up to their, their bedroom <laughs> that they've assigned to an office. <laughs> anyway, uh, my number two guy is T Higgins of Clemson, uh, 6'4", 205, similar body build to Mims, a little more slender. Uh, let me take care of that right away. Okay. Uh, similar body build, but uh, uh, great A dot again, uh, 15.7 yards. Trevor Lawrence has probably influenced his passing statistics, his, his receiving statistics to a fair degree, uh, but he's got a great catch radius. And you know, he's a guy that I think will be like Andrews and like some of the initial comments that you and I both made about really being a safety blanket player. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly can find open space, but even when he's not completely open, he's got a very large catch, uh, catch radius. And, of course, we expect him to be an asset in the run game. Yeah, T. Higgins is interesting to me. A lot of places have him ranked well above Mims. Um, and for me, he doesn't excite me quite as much. But all those things you said are true and definitely an asset for the Ravens. He was third on my list. Okay. So who's your number two guy? LaVisca Chenault. I, I just have an infatuation with this guy. We kind of talked about him on Twitter, Ken. I see A.J. Brown. I think a lot of people are seeing A.J. Brown. And uh, the fact that he has this running back type figure, um, but at the wide receiver position, he just bullies cornerbacks and safeties, breaks tackles to get that impressive uh, yards after the catch. 
Um, we do have to worry about his core injury, though. And that is something in this particular draft environment where players haven't been um, seen by, you know, the team staff. Uh, this makes it a more interesting pick. I'm curious to see how it impacts him on draft day. He's definitely one of those players that may slide a bit, uh, surprisingly, in, in a different environment would have been picked higher. So really curious to see what happens with him. But the fact that he can be used in trick plays, it, he's an exciting player to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it lined up in the shotgun a fair amount of Colorado, uh, you know, the Wildcat. Uh, he's a guy that I think Roman could make more use of than just about any other offensive coordinator in the league because there's so yeah. much, A, running, and, and B, variance in terms of, of other plays that get the, get the ball into the hands of a exciting, speedy player in space. But uh, Chenault, before the injury, I think, was, was mocked by many in the middle of the first round, and I still don't think it's impossible that he'll go there meaning mm-hmm. in the top 20 to 22 picks maybe. Uh, now, I think it's more likely there will be some concern. He'll probably drop into round two. There is no way in hell he's dropping to 55. So the Ravens are, would have to trade up to to get him in round two, or they have to trade down to get him out of round one. Either mm-hmm. either a possibility. But I liked him too. I had him as fifth on my list. And you know I love basically all the things about about him that that you've mentioned he meets exactly the standard of having a blocker and a playmaker in space for Roman he's at the intersection of that that is just perfect mm-hmm. okay so it's my turn right I have yep. to, I, okay so my number three guy was Brandon Ayak of Arizona State so 60205 ran a 4540 um, a really explosive player uh, he's it really showed up in the combine on his broad and vertical jumps, which are jump out of the building numbers. And I don't recall the percentile ranking for those. I've seen it before. It's in the 90s, I believe, on both. And he's also been a return man. I don't want to let the tail wag the dog with regard to that. I think it's a bad practice to try and try and tack on an extra amount of value to a return man when you're drafting a, a, a first or second round wide receiver. And Ayak would be a second round wide receiver in, in my book. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I think, I think it's a mistake to say, Oh, and it can also be our returner. So we got to add 30% of value to that. Well, mm-hmm. you don't, you probably have to add about 6% of value or something. I mean, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a relatively small number, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a uh, very exciting, explosive player. Uh, certainly can get deep. Cornerbacks fear him, and uh, and that's a very nice thing. Of course, he played in the pack in the pack, so who knows? But uh, but anyway, I, I, a guy I like it as my third best after the big three. Right, and I think that's all a good point. He's been rising up my board. I was kind of uh, poo pooed on him because of his late breakout year when I was originally looking at um, him and his film, and but then I saw that he could do returner and it helped him out a little bit. And I saw that Daniel Jeremiah is just infatuated with him, actually has him like 24th ranked player for him, which is huh. quite high. Yeah. So one of his favorite players coming out. So uh, he, he was on my list um, at, I guess, uh, at five. Um, I actually had I have to move Justin Jack uh, Jefferson into my list. So he'd be my next player. So All right. this guy, he's from LSU, 6'1", 202. Uh, the likes of OBJ and Landry have come from uh, LSU. So it's starting to become a little bit of a wide receiver uh, staple in the draft. He has great hands. He'll get physical. Uh, he has Tyler Boyd comparisons. So like this, apparently our division is just laden with, uh, with uh, ties to Justin Jefferson. Um, 
one thing to note is that he needs to get stronger uh, to get off of press coverage. He didn't see too much of it in college. Um, so, but when he did, he did struggle a little bit. The biggest thing as well is that he might be the best number two wide receiver. Some of the people on our list fit that number one wide receiver a little bit more. Whereas I think Jefferson's ceiling is a solid number two. Mm-hmm. I, that that could well be true. He had an unreal catch percentage this last year. And PFF has a catchable ball statistic. And so they had him as 111 for 134, 82.3%. That's just off the charts if it were a true catch percentage as a, as a percentage mm-hmm. of targets. Now, there's a, there's a number of those. There are probably some additional targets there that are not counted because they weren't catchable balls. Uh, but Joe, Joe Burrow certainly had a significant contribution to his catch percentage this mm-hmm. last year. Uh, you know, he really looks to me more like he doesn't have the size of a tight end at 6'1", 202, but a guy who is not afraid to go over the middle of the field and really looks to find space between level two and level three in particular. And with the Ravens not having Hurst, having another guy who really wants to go there would make a lot of sense. So I, I can understand that the, the, the like of Jefferson, he was my number four guy. Also. Uh, I think he goes in round two fairly early. And I, again, he's a guy I love between the 35th and the 60th pick. There are a bunch of guys that fall into that category. I just, I wouldn't want him at number 28. I think it's too much of a reach. All right. Okay. My turn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my next guy, since uh, I had Chenault as number five, is Jalen Rigor of TCU at mm-hmm. number number six. Now, he's had some really lousy production in college that it's difficult to really split the blame for. So it may be him, and uh, some of it certainly is, but they also had a lousy quarterback situation at TCU. Uh, he's never had an impressive catch rate in his entire career. Lots of drops and only three and a half yak per reception. So I, I really found a lot of things wrong with him from his college career. You know, he has explosive, broad, and vertical jumps. Now, this is the guy, and I'm sorry, I mistook him with Ayak, but this is the guy who's like 99th percentile on both broad jump and vertical jump. 42-inch right. vertical. I mean, that's Len Bias. That's, that's uh, you know... The top athletes as basketball players would be up there, but Jalen Rieger at at five eleven would have no trouble dunking a basketball <laughs> out of a vertical. Yeah, he, he's an interesting uh, prospect because, like you said, he had bad quarterback play. He had a really good uh, year before last, right, with a little bit better quarterback play. That's where he really shined. Um, one other thing to point out is he was a little slow at the combine, but he was a burner in the actual game film, which I think always is more important than. Uh, you know, what they do without pads on. So, yeah, he's he's super duper interesting. He he actually does have pretty good yards after catch. Um, but yes. as a smaller guy, I don't know how he best fits. He was a little bit lower in my ranks. Uh, I think around, yeah, around seven for me. He's built he's built like a safety. He's more like a Sneed comp in terms of his ability to be a slot receiver. I mean, I, 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 his size to be a slot receiver, right? Not his ability. I won't say mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's a real question mark. I mean, he is a he is a take it to the house guy, and and hopefully, uh, you know, would be a guy who can who can make something happen after the catch, and that's certainly you know evident in those numbers. Anyway, your turn. I I, I jumped your. Oh no, you 
No, you're totally fine. Um, my next guy, I think he's next for you as well, uh, would be Michael Pittman. So just based on how we've been jumping around, I actually ranked him number uh, five for me, uh, just in front of Ayuk. So the reason for that is because he just has this huge frame, 6'4", 223, strong hands, high points the ball, definitely will get physical in traffic. Um, one one thing to note is he's a little slow to get the full speed, but he does have uh, you know a four five two forty, so he 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 flies once he uh, gets going. He's kind of a glider. Um, he needs a little bit more fluidity to be a great wide receiver too. I think with the right coaching, he could definitely get there. Uh, but he does, to note, um, run block really well, and he even played special teams in college. So I think that makes him a little bit more versatile. Uh, his first year for us. It, most of these guys. Well, I don't know about that. A lot of these guys would end up playing special teams. Uh, some of them you wouldn't want to take the risk with, but we're getting down into the rounds where these guys are are fair game <laughs> to be special teams. Exactly. As we go down the yeah. list a little further. So uh, Michael Pittman, the one thing that, that scouts have gushed over is the ability to sit in the chair. So it's something mm-hmm. that Jackson has not really had a good hitch route runner since he's been here. And, and Brown could do it, I think, but they just don't use him as much in that. But if Jackson's going to learn to throw out the numbers, he, he really ought to have a big-bodied guy out there who can run a hitch and still makes the cornerback fear a deep route. And, for, and to do that, you have to be able to sit in the chair, which means he basically has to get low in order to decelerate quickly as he's still uh, facing upfield and then flip quickly to uh, be able to catch that ball on the back shoulder. He's a guy who can do that, and with his frame, has some additional body body ability in terms of uh, uh, getting between himself and the cornerback, himself and the safety, if if he's going over the middle somewhere, himself and the linebacker even. But uh, you know, he's a guy I like for that, and um, uh, you know, he, for all that's going on here, he didn't have a great contested catch rate. So what that means to me is he's getting open elsewhere on the field. And that's really nice to see. So uh, 76% catch rate, extremely good. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're one of the best in the entire class, uh, uh, certainly. So I like him a lot. I, I understand now why other people like him a lot after watching one analyst talk about a full game of, of uh, tape for him. Mm. Your turn. Uh, I th- no, it's your turn. Oh, okay. Is it? I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Next guy on my list is we're down to number eight now is Chase Claypool of Notre Dame. 6'4, 238, 442, 40. There's your Miles Boykin comp right there. Right. (laughs) You know, in terms of a a guy who. uh, Old teammate, too. Yeah, old teammate. There you go. Um, He is the by far the biggest of the good receivers in this class. So he's bigger than Pittman, even, and, and faster. Um, but there's other concerns here. Um, the one thing that really impressed me, he gained 10 or 11 pounds for the combine and still ran 442. So you got a lot of people who are trying to gain weight for the combine. They want to look good in underwear. They want to look you know, <laughs> right. as muscular as possible. Collinsworth always says that that way. Um, but he'd be a huge asset in the run game very clearly. Uh, you know, There's been talk about him moving to tight end. He doesn't really need to do that for the Ravens, but I think he could line up in the diamond formation in the backfield in the same spot that Hurst did and come and, and, and break out from there to make blocks in level two or three. Now, ideally, 
you'd have a guy there who also can either run a flat route or run some kind of seam route from that position. And he's, I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. So, you know, it, it, it forces, uh, first of all, allows an easier release when you do that, but also forces perhaps one of the interior players, either safety or linebacker to pick him up. So, uh, you know, there, there's additional value in that, uh, in lining him up there that I think would be good. And, and he can certainly handle the blocking responsibility because it's, it's not an inline job. There wouldn't be anybody he'd need to single team in line, uh, blocking from that position. So I promised that I did my rankings before seeing yours, but they are extremely similar. Uh, Chase Claypool was right there at number eight for me as well. Um, he was one of the people I was referring to that could maybe shift over to the tight end position. Um, but again, to mirror what you said, I don't think he needs to do that for us. Um, one thing, he has lots of upside because he doesn't run the full route tree just yet. So that's something with the you know the right receiving coaches, et cetera, that he could really improve. So curious to see where uh, Miles Boykin's teammate goes. And if it was with the Ravens, I wouldn't be too upset at the right pick. If that was a third round pick for us, um, that could be a really, really interesting player. So first pick of the third round, you're okay. Last pick of the second round, you're not. That 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 sounds about right for me. Yep. Okay. I I think that's where I am as well. I think they need to trade down to get value. And and you know the further you go on in the draft, the less you're concerned about the about the small amount of value that you lose from a reach. But even between rounds two and three, you should still be concerned about that. So to take another player off your <laughs> off your list. Uh, KJ Hamler from Penn State. Uh, he's one of those super tiny 5'9", 178 players. He's very quick, super quick. Uh, Tavon Austin kind of comparisons. He'll separate on those shorter routes. He'll make uh, space with his quickness. But there are questions about his hands and his durability uh, in college and his durability long-term in, in the NFL just because of his size, similar to how um, – you know, Hollywood Brown had all those concerns, but then the Ravens had confidence in him and it seemed to work out really well. So he's one of those players just because the Ravens don't necessarily need that type. He fell lower on my list. He might be higher for other teams. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a sure thing is my comment is that another team is going to like him more. Uh, just having him and Brown on the field doesn't seem to make sense. The Ravens do need a slot receiver or could use a slot receiver anyway to keep Brown on the outside. Uh, the run blocking, I think we just suffer too much and it's too central to what the Ravens are trying to do as an offense for that to be. I don't really believe the 427 number he claims he can run. <laughs> um, but you know, I've heard it from, you hear it all over. So, somebody had two guys timing him and they both came up with 422 at a pro day. And, and my answer to that is, you know, come on, give me a break here. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you've got to be realistic about this stuff. I, I I know he's fast. I'm I'm sure of that. I'm sure he's very shifty. It shows up in the tape you watch. It's it's very clear. The guy is able to break the ankles of the opposing slot cornerback with great ease. Okay, but let's not overstate what that is. Uh, if if you had Tom Brady throwing to Wes Welker, Tom Brady throwing to Julian Edelman, that would have tremendous value. Um, I'm not sure Lamar Jackson can derive as much value for that for multiple reasons. Um, it obviously requires making that decision earlier. Uh, it takes away some of the value of the read option offense that they that they can bring. Uh, it's just it's it does not seem to be quite as valuable with Jackson, who can create throwing lanes without having to rely on somebody to get open at a specific point at a specific time. You lose some of the value of the extended play 
by having Jackson having to throw to a point at a time where he's not going to be as good, probably, as Brady or Manning as doing so. Okay. Your turn? My turn again. Okay. My next guy on my list, uh, John Hightower of Boise State. Uh, 6'1", 189, ran a 4'3", 4'43", 40, I should say. Uh, he's thin, so there are questions about a run about run blocking. I think he's the first guy on my list who I really have questions about how, whether or not at any point did he have to face no block, no rock, you know, as, as mm-hmm. Coach would say it, you know, in terms of, uh, you got to be a good blocker in order to get more more reps on the field. Now, Hightower probably has always been the number one receiver on whatever team he's been on, uh, but but he is a player who uh, will have to find other ways to contribute to really v- bring tremendous value to the Ravens. Uh, he's a deep threat for certain. The, the ridiculous average depth of target, 17.3 yards, average mm. depth of target. And I know Mountain West, you know, every throw is going up there like a <laughs> – like a mortar shell, uh, but six, <laughs> 6.7 yak per reception on top of 17.3 a dot. Now a dot is not your average point at which you receive the ball. It's the right. average depth of target. So you might've had an average reception that was 11 yards from line of scrimmage tacked on 6.7. I don't honestly know what his average yards per catch was, uh, but he had 14 touchdowns and under 900 college snaps. Uh, legitimate questions of, you know, can he handle NFL press? I think we have a lot of that for the smaller receivers here and just how physical NFL corners can be, uh, especially when they're not as fast, you know, how physical they can be. Mm-hmm. And I think of the Mountain West as being a conference, although I don't watch a lot of games out there, where corners are probably living scared to start with, you know, six, eight yards off the line of scrimmage a lot of the time, <laughs> giving up a lot of slant yards. Uh, you know, Hightower uh, will not face that ease of release in the NFL. So Hightower wasn't uh, one of the players I even ranked. I didn't I didn't find him in my research. But I will say I want to bring up how average depth of target is a really interesting statistic. You see it a lot used in fantasy. Uh, they call it air yards, really, there. Mm-hmm. And it it's kind of implies the uh, confidence in, um, in the uh, quarterback to go to that player on a downfield run, their uh, tendencies to do so, and their big play potential. So – he definitely would be an interesting asset for the Ravens. I agree. His thinner frame does give me concern. All right. Who's your next player? Your next player. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I, said, I swear um, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tyler Johnson. I thought it, uh, yeah. Okay. I brought up, right. I brought up. Oh, okay. There you go. Yep. Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Uh, so it's interesting. I, I, you know, I peeked at your notes for this as well. Um, but for me, I just saw lots of production. Um, Great route running, short space quickness, all those uh, intangibles we've been talking about all show. The biggest thing, though, is that, again, he doesn't run the full route tree at this point. But the routes that he does run, he does quite well. Um, So I'll I'll let you carry out the rest because I think you have a really interesting point on Johnson. Well, I think one of the problems I have with Johnson is that I think he's extremely polished as a receiver. And that's a negative. So I don't want a quarterback coming from Cal because I know that Ted for quarterbacks coming from there, for example, and I, I don't even know if he's still there, but uh, we got the bad taste of Kyle Bowler, obviously, but other quarterbacks from Cal haven't worked out as well. Uh, they tend to be very polished, uh, do a lot of things well coming out of college, but then they're already 
coached up to their highest point that they'll ever get to. Linemen from Iowa for years had that kind of reputation. Fortunately, the Ravens got Marshall Yanda, and it wasn't a problem. Uh, I think that that uh, you know I'm trying to think of other programs that that have it at some particular position. But obviously, if you have a specialist coach at that college, mm-hmm. you 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 run that risk. But anyway, Tyler Johnson is a guy who who seems very polished, and and I, I worry about that. At a young age, has, has the guy reached his ceiling, especially since his production is fantastic and his athleticism and his speed is reportedly not. Correct. And actually, I forget why, but um, a lot of the analytics community is pretty low on Tyler Johnson as well for some reason. I guess probably because of his uh, athletic capabilities. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there if what did he do at the combine? Cause he, he did not run the 40 at the combine, but he might've done other things. He might've lifted or something like that. He might've jumped. Probably didn't jump if he didn't run the 40 though. Probably did not. All right. I'll have to look yeah. back at that and see what else, what else he did. But, but you know, obviously with no pro days this year, it really does create another interesting dynamic. I mean, nobody really trusts pro day things, but at least they can watch <laughs> the guy and they can see him live and, and whatnot. But uh, uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. For sure. So do you have okay. next, Ken? I have next. Okay, I have uh, Jawan Jennings of Tennessee, six three two fifteen, a four seventy two forty. So we're now getting into some of the very flawed players a little <laughs> further down this list. Um, this guy isn't just flawed because of speed. Uh, he's a former quarterback who played slot at Tennessee. His vertical jump is twenty nine inches. Which, okay, I'm not saying I could do because I can't, but that's not an impressive vertical leap. And it raises some some very serious questions about explosiveness off the line of scrimmage in particular. And he's a big guy, so you could think he could pummel people, but you also got to be able to break quickly off the line of scrimmage and coming out of your break. And those jumps are often a good proxy for how good the player is at that. Now, you want to look at tape as well, but... You know, he's he's got some definitely some explosiveness questions that, that tail him. I do think he's a good with the ball guy, and that's why I like him more. Uh, he had 8.0 yak per reception, so you got to love that, uh, uh, of hmm. 16.4 yards per catch. Now, remember, you can have you can have yak from a negative starting total, so it's not really 8.0 of 16.4, but you get the, you get the idea. It's a, it's a high percentage of his yards per carrier coming from yak. Yeah, this is another player, actually, who didn't make my, my top list here. Um, and actually, my next player didn't make yours, and I'm kind of curious uh, maybe if you saw him or what contributed to that. So I'll go ahead and talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Six foot two, 212. He has all the size, speed, and explosiveness you look for. The best vertical in the combine to kind of go off of uh, um, uh, uh, Jennings' uh, lackluster vertical. Yes. <laughs> now, um, one of the things that concerns me, but actually, given your uh, your comments, now might be a positive to kind of think about, is he never lived up to the expectations. He was one of the number one recruits from Michigan, uh, but it never really translated um, fully. And some of his speed didn't translate to the film, uh, despite maybe being uh, good at, at the combine. So definitely an interesting player. At this point, maybe worth a flyer. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's a he's a... Uh, mid to late round guy, a four or five kind of pick. Uh, he didn't quite make my list. He would have been one of the next players on there. Uh, was there anything particular I didn't like? I mean, I am 
polished is not the word I would use for him, but he's more like he's he's physically about where you could maybe expect him to be. He's I, I don't I don't think there's going to be some enormous development of of him body wise. I'm trying to remember if he might be 22 or 23 years old as well, uh, but I'll have to look for that. I don't I don't honestly know uh, uh, off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, you you went with Donovan, and I need to come up with another player, don't I? <laughs> yeah. How about we go with K.J. Hill of Ohio State, 6'0", 196, a 4'6", 40. Uh, he is a well-built, not huge guy who would probably end up in the slot. That's where he spent most of his time at Ohio State. Uh, would be a very shifty receiver there. Uh you know, according to scouting reports I've seen, um, this is a guy I've only watched highlights of and not a full game tape. Now, I'm already giving away my concern about my own scouting of this guy, um, but he really needs to be, with his athleticism and, and the 4640 in particular, um, he really needs to separate with route running, not speed. Uh, he has not had a problem with drops in college. He's had good hands, but but it's, it really needs to be a, a, a question of his route running that gets him free. Yeah, again, Ken, actually, this one was not on my list. Um, so I don't want to uh, you know take too much time talking about him. Sure. My next guy, uh, Van Jefferson, Florida. He has uh, toughness, right? Uh, but he likes top speed. Apparently, he has really good football IQ. Um so that's always I always look for those kind of players personally. I don't know if it's just because I'm a nerd, but uh, I always appreciate a, a player that has good football IQ. It can help them make up for some of their uh, lacking abilities, maybe physically. Um, he had limited targets in college, which makes me wonder, um, like raises some question marks. If he can't dominate at the college level and, and demand a target share, then there could be concerns. But again, we're at the later rounds here. So you're taking uh, risks with these players. Yeah, I think you're taking injury risk with uh, with Van Jefferson, but he was next on my list as well. Uh, so we're back in there. I think he's a round five pick. Uh, you know, he's a speed prospect in my mind. Uh, he had a uh, stress fracture in his foot that was discovered, I believe, at the combine. I think this is the guy. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not a Liz Frank injury. They've gone to great extremes to try and explain that it's not a Liz Frank um, but this is still the kind of player who, in the old days with the Ravens, and I'm not sure if they're still doing that, especially with the virtual draft this year, but they used to have individual plaques for each player. They have a big board as well, mm. and, but they put the plaques, uh, move them from the big board, I believe, to the board under each team as they were drafted. And those plaques would contain uh, dots and potentially a red star. Red star is the thing every every player wants to have and that means at least one scout on the Ravens picked him as a as a player who particularly embodies the Ravens way I, th- I believe is how they how they mm-hmm. call it mm-hmm. but the other dots were for an assortment of things and and the black dot is the one you really didn't want that meant that there was an off-field concern or an injury concern and the Ravens generally would not consider drafting such a player in 2010 which is one of the years I actually got to see the board after it was there uh, Arthur Jones had a black dot and he, mm. But he fell far enough coming out of Syracuse that they said, too much value, we'll take him anyway in round five. Mm. Um, they, they, Redskins that year, four of the six players drafted for the Redskins blacked out by the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> we enjoyed ragging on them too much, Ken. 
Yeah. There you go. So anyway, uh, we were talking about Jefferson here a little bit more. Um, he transferred, and he's already 23 years old. So right. that, he's he's one of the players that falls in the second contract category. You're going to get less value there. Of course, with a fifth-round pick, it's not that important. Uh, but you know, you, whatever they get from Van Jefferson, if they were to draft him, and he is the kind of guy they could get in round five that could still provide them value. But whatever they get, they're going to get on that first contract. They're probably not going to get a second contract out of him. Right. So he's your next guy. Next guy, I have Lynn Bowden of Kentucky. Now, he's a guy who uh, split his season very unusually. Played the first half at wide receiver, the second half at quarterback. He was utterly terrible as a quarterback. Terrible (laughs) thrower, anyway. But he's more of a runner. It kind of maybe would remind you of Lamar Jackson 2018 with none of the upside. (laughs) <laughs> and as a quarterback and you know there's some difference of opinion on where the guy might end up in the NFL so could he end up at running back it's possible uh you know there've been guys who've made that conversion could he stay at wide receiver and maybe stay in the slot also a possibility um he's a guy who i think could be an effective playmaker in space just the kind of guy the ravens look for uh you know another guy you get in the ball into his hands in whatever way you can and you make the most of it Roman is a guy who could make something out of him. And if Bowden were to fall, I think, to round six, where the Ravens don't currently have a pick, I think the Ravens would start having to consider him. At round five, he might still be a guy that, that, uh, that is too expensive uh, for, for what the Ravens have. Yeah, and I've got a similar player to him on my list. Devin uh, Duvernay from Texas. Yeah. Very similar build. He led the country in catches. Um, and he has very quick uh, blazing speed. Um, but again, at this level, you're, you're looking at guys who struggle against the press, lack the length for one-on-one balls, um, and need more coaching. So I think those, both of those players are intriguing to me as a late-round pick after you already have a different wide receiver, maybe for um, uh, return purposes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think they add the most value. And, and if they pop as a wide receiver four um, on your team, Great. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's where that's the kind of prospects we're looking at now. That's exactly the point at which the tail can wag the dog is, <laughs> is, is in a round like that where you're where you want them mostly as a core special team or anyway, you know, whether right. they're going to become Chris Moore uh, at, at a later point, And, you know, that's the upside of, you know, Moore was a fourth round pick who was a legitimate deep threat at Cincinnati. But, you know, you, you have other players who, who just don't fit that profile, but are a, a return man, or maybe they can cover kicks or they can do whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's a, that's the, that's the point where you take that risk. Do you have any other players? Cause we've been through my entire list now. Uh, same here, actually. That was my last guy. Okay. I had one other honorable mention that didn't make my list, but I see all kinds of people braying for braying for him. And that's Brian Edwards of South Carolina. So he's a big guy. 6'3", 215, another guy kind of like, who was the guy, uh, Juwan Jennings, perhaps, in terms of Mm -hmm. having the good size for blocking and maybe a lot of questions for him as a receiver. He's medically flagged for a broken foot, and it's not known, at least by me, whether that's a list Frank or not. Uh, It's probably a black dot for the Ravens, so I would think he's probably not going to be drafted you know, could they pick him up as or as a UDFA? I'm sure they could if if nobody w- were to draft him. I don't think I don't think every team is going to say no to, to to Brian Edwards. I think somebody will will take a shot on him and and uh, and the value of him greater than the Ravens do. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that actually. That people are are clamoring for him, but I can see why. Um, but yeah, that, that rounds up a, a really deep list. Even these last few players can. I really do see it. They could have a place in the NFL. Uh, you know, even as a great special teamer. So definitely an exciting draft to look forward to. Okay. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, Alec. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit more draft work before before the actual draft or maybe during it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, coming up in the next 10 days. I uh, want to make sure people know where they can find your stuff. Uh, so what are you, where's your, your Twitter handle and where do they find your podcast? Yep. So uh, my podcast is Ravens Recap. You can find that at ravensrecap.com. And uh, we're also in iTunes and all the good stuff. Uh, our Twitter is Ravens underscore recap, which is where I'll do most of my Ravens twing these days. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Ken, for the opportunity. Um, we had a lot of fun going over all these different uh, players. I'm looking forward to the rest of your episodes where you go over other positional groups. All right. Very cool. So what, we're, what I'm trying to promote coming up this next week, and we're trying to see how far we want to go with this, is for round one at least, and possibly for rounds two and three, because the Ravens are very pick intensive uh, in those rounds, we're going to do a live stream. Now, I'll be doing round one with Michael Crawford next Thursday night, and the format is this. We'll, we'll log on about 30 minutes before the draft. We'll talk about the Ravens' needs in a general sense and, and some of the players we see that might fit with them in round one. Then pick by pick, we're going to be analyzing how that pick impacts the Ravens. So a lot of people, they just want to hear the pick until the Ravens draft. Well, this is for that person who really wants to find out how is the draft unfolding as we go and how are each of these picks impacting the Ravens. So had a lot of fun two years ago until it wasn't fun anymore. You know, <laughs> seeing Derwin James slip down the board to number 16 and then be available when the Ravens had it because he's one of two players that I, along with uh, – um, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, but the Pittsburgh safety they acquired this year for a, for a number one pick. Oh, geez. Now I'm, I'm... we're both blanking on this guy. This is terrible. <laughs> oh man. Okay. It'll yeah. come to me, but anyway, <laughs> right. I don't know why. those, those are the two that's terrible. Really? Those are the two <laughs> guys who you completely build your defense around. And, uh, uh, you know, Derwin James happened to be available. The Ravens traded the pick, of course, and they had a, they went on to have a great draft, but they did miss out on value for for uh, what they got in exchange for uh, for the Derwin James pick. So anyway, uh, hopefully this next first round is every bit as exciting in terms of how players are moving around. And I think there's a lot of potential to have runs on certain positions. We could have a run on offensive tackle early that mm-hmm. would benefit the Ravens. We could have a run at cornerback that would benefit the Ravens. There's such a dearth of edge talent that I think we could have a lot of edge talent going in the first round, which has no business going in the first round. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I've, got, I've got a number of guys pegged that way that, uh, you know, they just should not be in the first round, but they might be. Right. I agree. There's a lot of those players. Yep. And All it was right. Minka Fitzpatrick. If I Minka, like. <laughs> That's Minka. Minka. Yeah. But uh, no. yeah, there. That's one of the things that's just fascinating about the NFL draft. You'll see players that go that you're, you scratch your head about, and we'll see in a couple of years if uh, we were right to scratch our head if the scouts that knew something better than we did. But very exciting, Ken. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks for thanks for being on, Alec, and thanks for listening, folks. And we'll see you next time on Film Star.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.